Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of All the Hard Things. I am here with one of my dear friends, Christina Anavi, and we are going to get into something today that I don't think that we've ever actually, like, officially, officially talked about on my podcast before, and I am nerding out. I am super excited to talk more about it, and I know you guys have likely wanted to learn more about it too. So um, Christina, she is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. Um, She specializes in treating people who have OCD. Uh, She does ERP and she also does ICBT, which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about inference-based CBT for OCD. And she has so many cool things going on. I cannot wait for you to meet her and to hear what all of this ICBT stuff is about from an expert. So uh, Christina, if you could just introduce yourself really quickly, thank you so much for being here. And I would love for you to tell our listeners kind of where you're uh, from, kind of what you do and all that good stuff. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Um, as Jenna said, I'm a, I'm a clinician and I'm based out of New Hampshire, but I'm also licensed in Maine and Florida. Um, I have my own online private practice and I specialize in working with adults with OCD, body focused, repetitive behaviors, and generalized anxiety. So yeah, I'm also on the uh, board of directors for OCD New Hampshire, which is an affiliate of IOCDF. Um, And we do a lot of community resources, education, support groups, things like that. Um, So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, you do so much. And I know that you have been kind of one of the like budding I think one of the like kind of budding experts in this new uh, strange world of ICBT for OCD. So super excited to get your thoughts on it. I know that you have, you know, done the trainings, you offer your own trainings in it. And I get so many questions about it too. I've done the training. Um, I would not say that I'm anywhere near uh, like expert level. I still would not feel comfortable or equipped to really kind of, uh, do that in session myself. So I'm really excited to kind of hear about it more from you and get, and give our audience a picture of what that looks like. So just really quickly, um, talk to us about how you started. Um, cause I'm imagining that you started out doing ERP like most of us. Right. And then 
we kind of heard about inference-based CBT. It's been around for a while, but it's gotten a lot of more discussion lately. Um, so yeah, just talk to me about like your experience kind of starting out in the field and then how you learned about ICBT and why it's so important to you and why you decided to kind of go down that modality track. Yeah. So when I first started out in private practice, I was more focused on generalized anxiety and perfectionism. And then I attended an OCD training hosted by OCD New Hampshire. And that was when light bulbs clicked. And I was like, this is this is my new passion. This is what I'm interested in doing. And in that training, the only thing we were introduced to was ERP, exposure response prevention, and acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, but that, you know, those modalities really resonated, really clicked. Um, and then come to find out actually a few months uh, later after starting to work in this specialty, becoming more specialized, I myself was diagnosed with OCD. So of course, it made a lot of sense why this, this area really resonated with me. Um, so once I, I got that, um, once I learned about OCD, ERP, and got involved with the board, the OCD board uh, of New Hampshire, I, I just really started diving in. And it was actually a colleague of mine in OCD New Hampshire who introduced me to ICBT. She was like, hey, you know, have you heard about this? I think this could really work with um the particular case that I had brought up within the group, she's like, you should check this out. Like, I've never heard of this. I don't know what this, what this is all about. And then I took an introductory uh, workshop hosted by Mikey and I was super interested in learning more. I got the manual and then I just dove in head first and it's like all I've been doing uh, since. So almost, I don't, I don't even know. Um, probably not a full year, but definitely close to it that I've just been really focused on ICBT. Um, and it's, and it's really exciting. It's really cool to offer another option for clients. And I've just seen so many great things with it. And for me personally, my own OCD, it really resonates and it really clicks. I was just going to say, like, it seemed like there was some type of clicking moment for you, like where there was a light bulb that went off that wasn't on before despite having learned about ERP, despite having learned about ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy and some other things, like, what do you think it was? And it, it might've been a couple of things, but what do you think it was that really made this illuminate something differently in your brain that wasn't able to be lit before? I think it was just being able to pull back the curtain on OCD and see it for what it really is and how it functions and how our obsessional doubts are created in the first place. That was never anything that was talked about before that I had learned about. You know, ERP is, is a behavioral model. So we're really targeting the compulsion, the compulsions and being able to, to see OCD from a different perspective just clicked for me. And it really also made me feel more empowered and have more agency over my own experiences. And I've definitely seen that as a result with my clients as well. For sure. And I think that's, I think the resonating piece that I get from people too, is like they hear about ERP and it's great for other people and it makes sense and it should be making sense for them because it's gold standard and it's frontline and blah, blah, blah. And 
there just still seems to be some pieces missing. Like it, there is this cognitive piece. There is this point of misinterpretation. And I know it's called something else. Uh, and we can go way more in depth here in the episode, kind of, kind of about what those processes are and, you know, the point of confusion and all of that, but it's more complicated. I think we can all agree, like even the hardcore ER peers, I think we could all agree that it's a, it's a little bit more complicated than just changing your behaviors. Yeah. And I would say too, you know, I, I was kind of taught initially about ERP that we really don't want to be engaging with the content of, of the OCD. You know, the content doesn't really matter. The things you're worrying about don't really matter. Your intrusive thoughts are random. And I, I definitely get that point of view, but at the same time on an emotional level, it really, to me felt very minimizing, very dismissive and just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and so with ICBT, it looks at these things from a completely different perspective and it's a little bit more validating and a little bit more I don't know I it, it just connects more on like a human level in my opinion than sometimes ERP can yeah absolutely um I think I mean I have always been like hardcore ERP like I love <laughs> ERP right it's like all I know and I know it's been super helpful for me in my life and especially since having gone outpatient, especially since, you know, growing more and learning more, infusing more acceptance and commitment therapy strategies and learning more about ICBT, even though I went into the ICBT training, like, yep, I'm a ERP specialist. I am an ERP specialist. I do ERP. I came out of it realizing myself, like, I'm not an ERP specialist. I'm an OCD therapist mm -hmm. and they're different, right? Like, I want to be able to treat the person who has OCD with whatever I believe is most helpful for them. And we obviously like that's left to us to some degree as a professional, which is what we go to school for and what we learn for and what we have our licenses for. Like we have to be able to make those decisions and hopefully we are good at making those decisions and we weigh several of those strategies. But definitely since doing the ICBT therapy, I still lean heavily, heavily, heavily in ERP. Like I do, and I think even an ICBT -er would agree that like there's got to be some behavior change, right? Like however oh, you get there, I don't, I don't think that we're actually all that different. <laughs> like no, we we both ERP, ICBT, they have the same common goal to not right. to help you to not do your compulsions. Yeah, it's not one versus the other. It's nothing like that. But unfortunately, yeah, some clinicians can be very dogmatic um, about it and think that there is only one right way of doing right. things. And honestly, I mean, I went into the ICBT training and left it like I I actually have no idea what I'm doing and I'm doing ERP <laughs> all wrong and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I I never, of course, called it ICBT. I never called it like the crossover point or like yeah. I never called it like the lies and tricks or whatever. But I've definitely gone over some of those things with my peeps in the past. Like I, it's not like a completely new concept and I'm with you like, it's sad. I think some people in the field on both sides can get very dogmatic, but I don't think that they're all that. I, I don't think they're as different as people would assume. No, I, I totally agree on that. It's just a different way of looking at it. Right. And um, yeah. And when you're talking about like the behavior side, absolutely. Like 
ICBT addresses that, not in from the lens of like exposure, but just when you're changing your cognitive processes, your behavior processes are naturally going to change as well. And so you're already working on that ritual prevention piece. So right. it's a different way of going about it. Totally. So we're talking around it a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> you and me know what we're talking about, but let's um, maybe clarify for some of the people who are listening. So what are the key principles or techniques used in inference-based CBT for OCD? I know probably a loaded question because there are several modules. Um, but yeah, if you could just provide kind of an overview um, and how it differs from kind of more traditional ERP and then give us just small little groundwork for the key principles or techniques used. Yeah. So ICBT, as you said, it's been around for a while, about 20 something years. It was specifically designed for the treatment of OCD, but it basically says that obsessions are doubts and their doubts about possibilities. So this treatment really targets inferential confusion, which is the main reasoning process for how these obsessional doubts are formed. So basically, in a nutshell, with inferential confusion, a person is confusing imagination with reality due to this reasoning process, due to distrusting their senses, and due to an over-reliance on possibilities. So Basically, people with OCD are putting way too much emphasis on the story that OCD is telling them from their imagination instead of what's actually happening in the here and the now. And so the different modules of ICBT, the different lesson points and cognitive interventions are really designed to bring a resolution to these obsessional doubts. And as um, you know, a byproduct of that, if you don't have obsessional doubts, then you don't have compulsions because compulsions naturally follow the obsessions. So in that way, although with ICBT, you're only really focusing on cognitive intervention, you're going to be getting behavioral intervention, even though you're not doing exposures in the way that it's formally, you know, outlined in ERP. So there's 12 different modules in ICBT and each module it's kind of set up in chronological order um, with each principle building off of the other, but it's also possible to do the modules out of order depending on what you're working on with a client, what's coming up in session. Uh, I certainly do them out of order sometimes, but um, basically each module kind of hits on a different lesson point or cognitive intervention. So I don't know if we want to get into what each of those is or or at least like the main ones that are most important that I I personally like to highlight. Um, yeah, I don't know what would be most helpful for Yeah, people. let's do it. I mean, I don't want whatever is helpful for you. I mean, I would love for you to go and like bang, bang, boom it all out. But even if you just highlight maybe like what you think are the most important ones, or I know there are lots of worksheets. I know there are lots of like handouts and kind of supplemental materials. So even if you talk about what those are, I really just want the audience to like have this kind of nebulous concept come to life. So however you can do that. Yeah. So when I talk to potential clients or new clients about ICBT, I basically kind of frame it in the way of kind of a teacher-student dynamic relationship of how ICBT is laid out, where each session, ideally, you're hitting a different module. And within those modules, there's there's exercises, there's worksheets, there's things to be doing in the session, outside of the session, to really 
emphasize um, these principles that you're applying within your OCD symptoms, your OCD experience. So some of the key areas that the modules are focusing on is understanding the process of how these obsessional doubts are formed, how OCD is functioning. Like I said, pulling back the curtain to see OCD for what it is and how it operates. And basically like you're nipping the doubts in the bud so that new doubts aren't forming and new, new compulsions aren't happening. Um, Within that, too, you're recognizing the difference between what a reasonable doubt is, what an obsessional doubt is. You're identifying that story that OCD is telling you and how to identify an alternate story that's actually based in reality and not your imagination. Um, you're connecting with your senses and you're connecting with your common sense and your sense of self, which is so huge because a lot of people with OCD feel like they can't trust themselves or they question what's real or what's OCD or what's them versus OCD. So we spend a lot of time on that. Um, and then the main one that I, one of the, or a couple of the modules that I really dig <laughs> is that how OCD th really thrives on possibility and the imagination. And, um, and I find that those, modules are really empowering for people. Mm -hmm. so, I think they're super empowering because they like bring light. They, they give a name to something that feels so nebulous. Like I said, right. I mean, I think we all know to some degree that OCD thrives on possibility. <laughs> like we know that, but to have someone say it like that is like, holy shit, that is exactly what I've been struggling with. And there's something just like very uh, liberating about that experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're really like pointing out that you, if that you don't actually make informed choices and decisions, um, like you, you make informed decisions in, in your everyday life and you don't actually rely on possibility alone. But when it comes to the context of OCD, you really highlight that, Oh, why am I acting differently all of a sudden? Why am I saying that possibility and the what ifs are so important that I need to act on these things when I don't actually do that in every other area of my life. And so it really like shows you the selectivity of the Tao. It really shows you like the, the, the weird nature of how OCD can make us behave in unusual ways when we wouldn't do that in, in everyday life. Uh, so it really does feel empowering and um, really gives you points out like you have agency over your choices and these compulsions aren't just happening um, automatically and your obsessions aren't necessarily random or intrusive, but they're imagined. They're imagined uh, consequences and of possibilities. For sure. And there are so many good analogies along those lines that I picked up from the ICBT training. And from what you were just talking about, right? Like we sit with this stuff all the time and we, you know, we don't necessarily fall for those tricks in other areas of our life. So what is it about these areas? And the one of them, the one was about the meteor. I don't know if you remember that off the top of your <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, I use that one go, a lot. <laughs> yeah, if you could go over some of those just to, I think it would yeah. be really eye-opening. Yeah, so, and what we're saying, so yes, OCD thrives in what ifs and doubts. And 
generally speaking, obs most obsessions are possible. We're not never arguing that these things aren't possible or couldn't happen. But what we're saying is that just because something is possible doesn't make it relevant or, or something that we necessarily need to worry about or act on in this present moment. So like, the mere possibility of something happening doesn't really give us a green light for any action. It doesn't really legitimize the compulsions. So with the example of the meteor, is it possible that a meteor could be heading toward Earth right now and we're all going to die in a second? Yeah, that that's possible. But what do I have any evidence that says that is something I need to be worrying about right now? No. What evidence would I need? What direct evidence in this present moment says, yeah, maybe maybe we are going to die any minute and we should be worried about this meteor? Well, I need to see it. I need to get information from my senses. I need to see a meteor in the sky or I need to hear uh, news on the radio saying meteors headed to Earth or I need to hear people panicking in the streets, right? Chaos all around me. That is legit information coming from my senses in the present moment that justifies that worry. But if I don't have any of that information, then it's just a possibility. And I don't actually need to act on that. Um, so that's that's an example that I use a lot with clients. I also like sometimes give really <laughs> random um, examples like aliens coming to earth or a tornado heading our way or just whatever. Like you could really make up a story about anything being possible. And again, it's all about our imagination, right? If our imagination can think it, OCD can latch onto it. And our imaginations are really powerful, but we don't act on imagination alone in, in everyday life outside of the context of OCD. And you, I, I'm literally like bringing out my pen and my notebook right now because I have so many like tangents that I want to go off. Um, <laughs> what I really like about this is that it highlights and it educates people about why it does feel so real, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's even from the ERP stance, right? Like, I think that's a big objection of like, but it feels so real. Like I can't right. resist my compulsion because it feels so real. And it's like, well, of course it feels real. Like you are investing in this imagination, you are investing in this imaginative narrative, right? And like the way that you feel is real, right? Like that fear that you feel is real, but the story that you're telling yourself about it is not necessarily real. And like you get, uh, what is it called? Yeah. Absorbed in the bubble, right? And yeah, so yeah. same thing happens like when we are watching movies. Same thing happens when we're really invested in a, a book. The, the weirdest thing was happening the other day. And I'm so impressionable. Like, of course I have OCD. I'm so like imaginative. <laughs> I was playing um a Jackbox game with one of my girlfriends. I don't know if anyone out there knows Jackbox, but it's like this game where you put it on your computer, but then you can also like do it on your phone. It's really, really cool. Um, but there was this like really creepy game where like we all died and it was like we all had our own little voodoo dolls and we could die and we could what come the hell back is this game? It was kind of creepy and <clears throat> there was blood and there was creepy music. And I found myself surrounded by my two best girlfriends in a completely safe home 
the day after the Taylor Swift concert, having a <laughs> glass of wine. And I was freaking out. Like, yeah. I, oh my gosh, like, am I, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, I, I noticed myself getting very, very anxious from this freaking video game. And I was like, oh my God, wait, this is just a video game. Like, this is silly. Oh and yeah. I, I, come back to reality and we get back to it. But it's like, that felt so real in the moment. And it only felt real because I was so invested, right? Like I was, I'm also super competitive. So like I'm paying attention to every little angle and it's like, do or die. I have to get this answer because blah, blah, blah. It's like, of course it feels real because you're investing in it and you invest in it by doing these rituals, by you know, putting color on the mural of this imaginative story, no wonder it feels real, but that's not, that's not a lie. That's not a plausible objection that you can use in favor of OCD. And I think ICBT really shines the light on why and how that happens. Right. And, and to the point of, you know, the physical sensations are actually happening. That is real. Everything else though, that story of what's triggering these sensations, that's, that's not, based in reality and I love your example of the video game because it makes me think of the video game the last of us and how like I got so invested in those characters and I got so invested in like the you know the story and every jump every you know thing that came out of the out of the corner like oh my gosh so terrifying and then it's like you end the game and it's like okay I'm back back in my living room um, where I've been this whole time, I'm not actually in any danger. But th the moment you start acting on the story, it does become your reality, like it becomes more real. And so we're really trying to showcase OCD for what it is, what's actually happening and help you to realize that like, your feelings and your sensations are not actual evidence that something is wrong or something is happening. That's not actual proof. The proof comes from your senses, your common sense, and um, and your reality. Reality. So, I worked in residential, and so I got like the most resistant, debilitating cases ever. Mm -hmm. And so my mind always goes to, and I'm sure that you have ways that you work around this. I'm sure you deal with it too, and you're like a pro at just like blocking it or or getting through it or you have like a fun analogy to cope with it. But what do you do for those people along the lines of us talking about, oh, but you're not actually in that video game. You're not in any actual danger. What if, you know, I could imagine somebody who's so entrenched in their story, right? They would say one of their objections would be like, what, how do I know that I'm not in danger? Hmm. Like mm -hmm. in the, in the example of say, like even fall or, um, real event OCD, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, but, how, but, but what do you do when, or, but what about, I, I'm sure you get those objections all the time, right? Because OCD has a very ridiculous way of wanting people to be the exception, right? Oh yeah, Christina, I hear everything that you're saying, but my OCD is different or, but I actually do have a feeling I have a grinnell response, right? So what you're saying is that that feeling is real, blah, blah, blah. And like, how do you deal? What are some objections that you commonly get from people or like stuck points? And how do you deal with that? Yeah, I would definitely say that like, if you're really engrossed in the story, if you're really believing the narrative, then coming back to that reasoning process of like, how did you get there? Like, because OCD, the story is based off of real logical, reasonable information. It's just being applied out of context or again, it's it's saying that 
because these things happened before that they could happen again, or because they happen to somebody else and they can happen to me. And that's like faulty reasoning. And we, we help clients to really see that. And also the big point of connecting to your common sense and how you're behaving differently outside of OCD versus inside OCD and, and helping people connect to that. A lot of people, if they've been dealing with severe cases of OCD for a long time, or their compulsions have just become part of their lifestyle, it can be really hard to help them to recognize what's real versus what's the imagination. And so uh, a big component of ICBT is helping people to connect to their senses, as well as their common sense, and also their true desires and intentions. So that's a big one too. Um, you know, what are you actually intending to do? What are your actual desires? Do you actually desire these things? Do you actually want to do these things? I mean, we know that OCD is ego dystonic. So the answer is always no, but people have a hard time believing that and they get caught up in those what, what ifs. So we really want people to connect to who they truly are versus what might be possible, what might happen. You know, the, the reality is, as I said, these things could happen. You know, bad things happen all the time. I just had a client recently share with me one of her worst fears actually came true. But one of the silver linings of that was we realized and she realized, oh, I actually was able to get through that. I, I handled the worst possible situation that I could have thought of. I was able to get through that. It was horrible. It was not easy. It really took a toll on her. But she was capable. And I think that's a big point of ICBT is helping clients to realize that they are capable and, and they can handle hard things when they happen. But until there's actual evidence to say these things are happening, then worrying about it and com doing compulsions isn't actually going to do anything helpful for them. It's only going to make them more stressed out, more insecure, and more doubtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, around what time do you see people kind of get it? I mean, I can imagine that people probably, obviously there will be some exceptions, but I imagine that people probably are pretty receptive to this early on because so much of it makes sense. I, I mean, that's the biggest feedback that I get is it makes sense. This makes sense. This clicks, this resonates. Um, but I will say like, as in, at least in my experience as compared to like ERP, ICBT is kind of a slower process. Like it's a slower burn because we really are trying to slow down the process of, um, of how like OCD is operating to really like highlight those reasoning errors. So like the first few modules of ICBT are some of the most important. We don't want to rush through them. But maybe somebody who's coming from like ERP might be used to taking action very quickly. And so they might not be used to the more slower, you know, process of ICBT. But as far as like results, outcomes, like progress, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, you're really getting more, um, in my opinion, you're really getting more hope in in all of this when things start to make sense and you really it clicks and the one of the biggest uh feedbacks i got from a client recently was how 
before starting therapy and they've done ERP in the past, but before starting therapy with me, they had a negative percentage hope that they would ever recover. And we've only gotten maybe like halfway through ICBT so far. And she, she told me she now has 30% hope that she's going to recover. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, I will take that. That is a huge win from going to negative from negative percent to 30%. Oh my gosh, that is sure. a huge <laughs> Hey, sometimes we just need it. We just need a little bit. We just need a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. That's okay. Exactly. Exactly. So what how is your I mean, do you feel like your role is different doing ICBT with somebody versus ERP? I don't um I mean, I I look at myself as that teacher, right? Of like that teacher student dynamic where I'm teaching a lot of principles. Um, but versus like ERP where maybe you're like in the trenches with them doing the exposure and like, you're really, it's like really raw and gritty sometimes, depending on what you're doing as an exposure. Um, with ICBT, it, it feels more of like a calm process sometimes than ERP, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same, you know, it's, they're both very hands-on, you know, we're not passively sitting back, just listening or talking about things, but we are really active and involved. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's both in ERP and ICBT. We, we definitely do a lot, <laughs> a lot of work. Um, how do you determine, and I think for the most part, obviously you probably collaborate a lot with your client, right? Like I know the way that it is, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. <clears throat> Does it need to be very strictly one or the other, meaning like ERP or ICBT, or, you know, maybe you try one and then you, you know, decide to jump ship and you try the other, or do you kind of mingle? I know that you're not supposed to mingle. Um, but yeah, I would just love to know like your thoughts on that and kind of how you would go about yourself making a recommendation one way or the other, like maybe who's more of a good fit for ERP versus who's more of a good fit for ICBT. Is that, is there even such a thing as, as a good fit? Like, how do you make those decisions and, um, what's your opinion on like the mingling or keeping it separate? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to the the creator of uh, one of the co-creators of ICBT. I've talked to a lot of ICBT experts and, you know, they kind of all say the same things around not wanting to mix ERP and ICBT, mainly because they do have conflicting messages sometimes um, and different perspectives. And you never want to like confuse the client or make it... Um, make it seem daunting and, and like just confusing. Um, with that being said, I personally see that there could be a space for mixing the two. Um, and I've done it with clients. It's really on a case by case basis, but sometimes what I've done is maybe we start out with ERP. And if I'm noticing that they're still getting caught up caught up in the what ifs a lot, then maybe we put a pause on the ERP formally and we dive into the ICBT. 
or vice versa. We do ICBT for a bit. They get the main core principles down. And then we say, okay, now let's put this into action. Let's start doing some of the things that you may have been avoiding. Now looking at it for, from the lens of ICBT, how can you apply the direct evidence? How can you, um, where are you noticing the story popping up? Like, you know, basically going through all of the, the cognitive principles while doing the behavior change. I mean, ICVT says you don't have to do exposure because again, if you're getting rid of the obsessions and you're getting rid of the compulsions, so it's unnecessary. But it's it's so hard to make a generalized statement like that when everybody is so unique and everybody is so different. And it's important for us as clinicians to be flexible, to be creative, to apply whatever we think could be helpful. Like you said, Jen, in the beginning, whatever we think could be helpful for them in the moment. And as long as it's clicking for them and it's working and it's making sense, then, then do it. You know, there does, I don't think it has to be super rigid or super, um, yeah, super structured in that way. Um, but as far as like who might be a good fit for ERP or ICBT, I think it just kind of depends on the person. I typically will present both options to them and depending on what they're resonating with, what they think might make sense for them, their personality, what they're willing to do, um, that kind of sways our decision-making. Because for, for a lot of people, um, at least that I am working with with ICBT, they've tried ERP in the past and it just either didn't have the effect that they were looking for, they didn't make the progress they were hoping for, or at this point, they're just really opposed to doing exposures, then, you know, we we introduce ICBT. Or for people that are maybe new and haven't done either, if I'm hearing a lot of that inferential confusion talk, if I'm, if I'm hearing a lot of the, um, like, they're really over relying on possibility, they're really struggling with overthinking, they, they think about the worst case scenarios all the time, they have a hard time trusting themselves, they have low confidence, they get caught up in the imagination. If, if I'm hearing a lot of that kind of language, then I already know that ICBT is probably going to be a really good fit for them. But we really don't know until we try it, right? And that's the thing, we got to see what clicks, what doesn't and pivot from there. Um, and so it's so helpful though, that we have options, right. And we're not just forcing one thing down their throats and, um, and trying to make like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Like if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And that's okay. It's not your fault. <laughs> we got to have other options. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people out there are probably like just taking a huge sigh of relief, knowing that, you know, they do have another option and, um, you know, that it's not necessarily because of them, right? Like, I don't want anybody to think that, oh, I tried this and it didn't work. And I tried this and it didn't work. Like, it's not because of you. I am fully of the belief that anybody who has OCD can get better. Um, I've just worked with so many people who have all the odds stacked against them. And I think there's gotta be a way. There's gotta be a way. I am like, way too optimistic probably, but I believe that everybody, everybody can get better at least to some degree. And, um, luckily you have so many wonderful resources where people can learn more about this. 
we definitely could never do this topic justice in just 30 or 45 minutes. So I would love for you to take some time to tell people where they can learn more about you and your resources. And in particular, if they want more to chew on when it comes to ICBT, all the fun things that you have to offer. So go for it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing, like I said, I've kind of been immersing myself in CBT for a while now. So I have a lot of resources. Um, my Instagram, Christina Councils, has a bunch of free resources, free posts. But beyond that, I have a comprehensive online OCD course that's rooted in ICBT principles but also combining tools from ERP and acceptance and commitment therapy. So it's kind of like a mix of little of everything. Um, and then Christina Orlova and I have collaborated on a few different projects. She's also an ICBT therapist, or I should say someone who specializes in ICBT. Um, so we co-facilitated a freedom from OCD with ICBT workshop where we dive into each module of ICBT. So yeah, we, we can only like not even get the tip of the iceberg in this conversation about ICBT. So she and I um, have collaborated on that workshop. Um, and we're also collaborating on a ICBT therapy group. So that's open to any person, any adult who's located in California, New Hampshire, Florida, Maine, and wants to start applying ICBT to their own OCD symptoms. So that's starting July 13th, and we're opening it up for pre-screening calls right now. Um, and then lastly, I've I've got an in-depth master class talking all about inferential confusion, like what, what is really tripping us up in OCD. And so we dive into that because, again, that concept alone can feel kind of confusing, especially if you've never heard of it before or you're coming from ERP and we're never taught about this new way of looking at it. So we really get into, um, into all of that in that master class. So all of that can be found on my website, christinanabi.com, um, or again, connecting with me on Instagram is probably the, the best way of staying in the know for all of my uh, upcoming workshops, services, products, things like that. Amazing. And yes, I stand by everything. Um, I just know all the things that you offer. They're so jam-packed and it's going to give people that kind of like light bulb moment. Like, oh my gosh, I am not the only one. I am not crazy. I am not a failure. Like this makes so much sense. And we know that when it comes to OCD, that feeling that we're like going mad, but we're kind of sane enough to watch it all happen. Like that feeling of that's all makes so much sense. Like that's invaluable. That's priceless. And so I really appreciate what it is that you're doing, um, making everything so much more accessible to people. Um, and for those of you who are listening, I will put everything that Christina just mentioned, all of those links in my show notes. Um, and it, even if you're listening to this after July, like after July, after her masterclass, you can still um, check out all of her amazing resources, but definitely check it out. If you're listening in real time, stay up to date with Christina because she has a lot of really cool stuff going on. So uh, once again, Christina, thank you so, so much for being here. Thanks, Jenna. And I'm excited to meet you in person. In I know, it's going to be so great. IOCDF conference. So. I know. I cannot believe that it is just like two weeks away. Holy freaking cow. So if anybody is out there and they're going to go to the IOCDF conference um, in Cali this year, we are super excited. Um, I need to pack. I need to <laughs> 
I need to get my <laughs> yeah, I need to start getting ready. But I, if anybody's listening to this beforehand, come say hi. If you're yes. going to be there, come say hi. Yes, come say hi. I am intentionally not bringing my son or my husband this year because oh I want to be able to say hi and like hang out with people. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to hang out with you. I know it's going to be so much fun. Well, thank you guys for hanging out. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbothlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.